the Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 429, Mr. Samich. Draft day, huzzah! Oh, I was so hoping that's what you do. Yeah, happy... Uh, Happy 10th Annual Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League Draft to you and to all of you watching and listening. Uh, if you're listening to this, uh, listen, I, I got to tell you, at 5 o'clock, so three hours from now, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern, the 10th Annual Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League Draft's happening. And a reason that is important, not just because we're the defending champions, we've got that beautiful hardware right there, but uh, realistically, truthfully, these are you know some of the sharper minds that cover horse racing and then a bunch of fans who are, you know, paying very close attention to the who will be three-year-olds going towards the Kentucky Derby next year. And so you're going to hear a lot of horses' names, myself included, that you're like, what the hell is that horse? And you're going to go look him up, and maybe some of them turn into something. Most people didn't know who Wade Barrio was. You and I drafted the Florida Derby winner, which is pretty great. So you, you find little gems like that. But really, if you care about the sport and about the Kentucky Derby Trail and the Triple Crown Trail, it's a good one to tune into because aside from all the fun and shenanigans that go on during this, there is also uh, some helpful information about horses to look forward to. I'm just looking forward to the draft, though. I love this night. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously you love this night. You make a total jackass out of yourself once a year uh, when we do this, and it's it's enjoyed by all. As, so I'm, I'm, I'm as happy. opposed to the 364 days of the year when I do make a jackass of myself, but not wearing a, co- a black cowboy hat. That's yeah, the there difference. You go. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, I got to say, I am a little disappointed in you today, though. Last week we give you props for your little streaming, your lines that are on the bottom. I, this show should be should be sponsored by Kevin Costner and Jennifer Gardner or some Jaff Day movie reference. I feel like you missed this one. Listen, I came in at the last second to, to update that, and I was like, "Well, I'm still mad about Jason Service." You're right, though. This is the this is the holdover from uh, from Wednesday's show. Wait, no, the Wednesday Monday. sequence that we did Monday. So it's yeah, it's still, I'm trying go. to catch the people that weren't here for. For Monday's show, yeah, no. Um, yeah, it is draft day. Uh, the draft day of the movie. Uh, I think it's what you would call a great airplane movie. I, I saw it in theaters with my wife, and it was a great date experience because it was our first time at, like, a dining movie theater. So that was cool. But she loved Jennifer Garner. I love football. It was, you know, it was fine. As far as football movies go, it's definitely not one of the worst I've seen. And not one of the worst. Uh, wildly unrealistic. That general manager well, would sure. get fired immediately. Um, but, you know, other than that, I thought it was it was a, an entertaining way to make everyone want to watch a movie about football. That's true. And it really, it was about football. There really wasn't that much football in it. Maybe that's why it was a nice little, like, you know, meet in the middle kind of thing for a date night. Uh, but, hey, listen, speaking of date nights, we've got a date with Gulfstream Park's Late Pick 5. We're trying to win one of these early before the calendar year uh, turns, at least one of these ones on the show. A late Pick 5, and there is a two-mile turf race uh, we won't have a full time to, in this show to get into it, but I do want to let people know if you're looking at the HL and Jerkins race nine on this card and going, how the hell do I handicap a two mile race when they're, they're doing one, two, three, they're going to do four turns plus come out of that little shoot a little bit. How do I do that? Mike Samich has a full preview coming up on racingdudes.com shortly. He gets into all of that along with the weights and why all that's important. So I just want to say we're going to kind of run through some things quickly. There's a lot more detail Mike's going to have in that video. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hype the video up that much, but go check it out. Come on, get excited. It's a lot. <laughs> All right, let's get We got a lot of horses to talk about in that race, too. So let's get into it. The late pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, December 17th. Riders up.
right, Mike, here we go. First leg of the Lake Pick 5 at Goldstream Park, Saturday, December 17th. Race 7, it's a 7 furlong dirt sprint. Eight males, four and up. They're horses that have either started for an 8K tag or less in the last two years, or they're in for a 16K tag. Everybody here is running protected, including your favorite, number two, C Trident at 7 to 5. It's crazy to me this horse still qualifies for this level with the run that he's been on. Let's talk about him. Yeah, I mean, just horse, a horse that's in great form right now. Any of the last four races beat this field, uh, which makes it pretty tough to look in a different direction, especially since when you go through this field, there's just not that much to get inspired about. Uh, this was an interesting sequence. I mean, this is, I, I think, a clear – I'm going to single here, the two C Trident. I think it's a pretty clear single where – you got to get a little funky. You got to really make a case for what's going to happen for this horse to lose. Uncork the bottle a little interesting to three. Do up Don a little interesting to five. But when you go top to bottom here, it's not like C Trident is going to be run off his feet early. And so you're worried he can't go gate to wire. Was able to sit off the pace last race and ended up just missing there. Uh, went wire to wire three of the previous four. But that fourth race back came from third. So you're seeing some versatility in how C Trident's been able to win. And again, the form is just phenomenal. This is the level he's beaten four times already. So I, I kind of just swallowed the chalk here, went with a two or C Trident to kick off the sequence with a single. I'm, I'm interested to who you know who you else you use, because to me, that was one of the toughest parts got about getting around C Trident. There's not anyone else that's inspiring confidence in here for me. Yeah, initially when I looked at this, the uh, you know one way I looked at playing this was singling the two and then going really deep in the in the turf marathon. And I decided I'm going to take a stand there. And honestly, not that this really should have bearing on how we do it, but our show when we single stuff, whether one or the other uh, or both, it really rarely ever works out. So I was like, mm, maybe I'm going to rethink how aggressive I get with my singles when I'm handicapping. I went with a three uncorked the bottle, and a huge reason is Irad's picking up this mount. This is a horse that. If you look on paper, you're like, man, that, that mile race, that wasn't very good. Um, you don't like to see that. But when we're going seven furlongs, you like a horse that can get a one-turn mile like the two-horse. Um, but with this horse, we're picking up Irad Ortiz Jr. And here's what I like. Six of the nine career wins from this horse from 29 starts. Six of them are on the Gulfstream Park dirt. So we're at a spot that we love. It's all been on fast dirt. That's going to be uh, – or he's got six wins on fast dirt, but he does have two wins on wet. So if we get some Gulfstream weather that screws things up, the less effort at this distance uh, turned out to be a win, so I like that as well. That was the last time this horse, by the way, was in for a tag, in for $8,000 over this course, gets the win, and we go 13 months and counting without running for another tag. You could argue maybe at some points we should have, but we do have three wins during that span as well. So he's to me, this is the best horse of the others here that just in case the two, for whatever reason, doesn't fire. But to me, the two looks like lone speed. If the two gets pressure, the two is shown he can push. And we're cutting back from that mile to seven furlongs. A lot of horses in here, I don't know that they want to do either of those distances. Yeah, uh, I mean, the three would be the other use for me if I was going to use a second horse here. Part of the reason I'm not going to use a second horse here is because it's the two favorites, and I like the chalk more. Um, so I don't I don't want to be in a situation where I'm going short price, short price, and my fallback is the second, second favorite. Um, yeah, this, this race is just not one that I, I love. Joe DiBaggio, a little interesting the six, but probably doesn't want the seven for a long distance. Probably is much better at six here. So that kind of hurts the Joe DiBaggio case. Uh, I thought Duop Don, the five I mentioned him, was a little bit interesting. Uh, there's a four-year-old who has been better since coming back off the layoffs and has back races that compete with it, although those are at lower levels. So a couple questions there on that that side for Duop Don. But uh, to me, you know, it, it's two, three, five, and that's really as deep as I would consider going. I'd probably go two, five if I went too deep just to try and get a bigger price in than the three. Uh, but the two has, 
five races out of his last six that beat the field pretty handily. So it's really whether or not we can run back to any of those efforts for C. Trident. I mean, one thing, too, Claudio Gonzalez isn't one of those trainers that everybody's rushing to claim off of. But since he's claimed this horse, all five starts since August, he's running back protected. And I guess if Gulfstream's not going to make it any harder for him to win at this level over and over and over, why, I mean, why would you do anything different? You cannot fault the connections for doing it because, you know, you get in as owners and trainers, a lot of us, we just want to win races. I mean, it'd be nice if we could win graded stakes, but you give me a horse like the 2C Trident that every time it goes to the gate, I'm going, boys, dress up nice because we're getting our picture taken today. I mean, that's it's really hard to hate someone like that. I mean, hell of a claim, right? Claims for 12500 is now finished first or second in four straight races with $30,000 purses. I mean, it just has already quadrupled the money without having the horse reclaimed um, and is able to just continue to do it here. And I, I would not be surprised if there's another check in, in line for them on Saturday. Uh, let's move on here. We've got the second leg of the late pick five at Goldstream Park on Saturday, December 17th, race eight. We've got a six furlong dirt sprint, nine main juvenile colts, eight of them making their debuts, including your favorite, the number, the number eight infinite series for Safi Joseph Jr., Ira Ortiz Jr., going to ride this horse. Now, you went three deep. You used both of my two horses that I'm going with, so I'll let you take the lead. Yeah, I mean, I, took, I put infinite series on top. This one, again, a really logical choice in here. Safi usually runs well with these first-time starters. Multiple bullet workouts on the bottom side, so you got to like that. Irad takes them out for Safi. That tells you this is one of those Safi horses that is going to definitely fire. Um, I, I didn't want to single here first off because I singled in the first leg. If I played a press ticket, I would single the eight here, go single, single to start it out and then spread a little bit more. I think the back half of this sequence is more difficult than the front half. Um, you know, I, I, I'm interested to see what price we end up getting on infinite series. Cause this is one of those spots where this horse may go off at like four to five. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, do you really want to start out the sequence with a, a even money shot in the first leg and a four to five in the second? Because that uh, it's hard to make money when you're doing that. And Gulfstream Park today kind of showed you that there. It was a very chalky day over at Gulfstream. So, uh, yeah, I, I, look, the eight infinite series on top for me. It, you know, this was my only must use and one I actually considered singling if I wanted to try and get around that two in the first leg. Yeah, it's a it's it's a little scary singling juvenile two year olds like that. Unless it's Bob Baffert or Little Sal, I don't think he's actually lost a race there in uh, thirteen years. Uh, but Infinite Series is, is one of those horses that everything on the page looks good. I, I didn't look myself. I got this info from DRF. You probably saw it too. Uh, that work uh, back in October 29th was a trio's work. Uh, 47-4 from the gate, very strong, but was working with two horses that were also unraced for Safi. Both of them won their debuts. Their buyers were 62 and 58. The 58 came in a maiden 16K claimer. But they were debut winners, so you do like to see that. Hopefully that overcomes Tiz now. He's not great with debuting horses, only 7%. We know with, you know, with Tiz a magician who we own, but, you know, they get better as they get older. I tried to find reasons, actually, to, to pass on this. And I was like, no, this is my top pick. Don't overthink this. Um, if things get screwy, if this horse doesn't show up with its best effort, I went with the number three love spell as the other horse I used here. Brendan Walsh debuting this horse. For Tyler Gaffney, you see Brendan Walsh, four starts at the meet uh, as of the time of this recording, two seconds in a third. Those seconds were by a neck and a head, and the neck loss was a debuting two-year-old in the maiden special weight. So Brendan Walsh is bringing good stock that's running well. Maybe just needs a little bit of extra racing luck, and we're getting Tyler Gaffley on the board. I looked this up specifically at Gulfstream Parks. I was like, man, they're usually really good together. You see 23% winners there. If you expand to the five years, it gets to 53% in the money, and their ROI is well over $2. So... I think if there's an upset on this big favorite, they were probably going to be close to even money with the eight. To me, I want the three to run right back. 
Yeah, Ken Theros, excellent first time out starter, excellent sire down in Florida as well. Um, I also like the fact that this horse was up at Saratoga uh, for Brandon Walsh. A lot of times when he has his horses up there, those are generally his best stock. So this is one of his better horses. Was working up there, came down to Florida. Now we're debuting here. Love Spell was my second pick, uh, the three horses. This is the horse I had in second as well. I also use the horse on the rail, Araj. Uh, this the main concern here is the rail to be honest with you. i hate first time stars breaking off the rail but i do like that gate work last time 47 and 4 and if you go back a little bit further there's a 46 and 4 work as well over that uh, training track so I, I think this is one that's probably ready to pop 17% with his first time stars jose d'angelo that is $3.14 roi and then you get luis size aboard that kind of is the icing on the cake for me when i i see one of these horses and all they're doing is running 12s or less and you've got four workouts at four furlongs that are sub 48 usually they're ready to go especially as two-year-olds so i I didn't want to leave the one out of it here if i'm going to go more than just the eight purely just because of the price because that those are the 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 three horses we talked about are your three uh lowest sorry three of the four lowest prices because we're not using the only experienced runner the six point liam uh i didn't but you're also not going to be using the i think he's the favorite the four to one horse in the next in the big stake so you know, ticket structure wise, I understand why you went deeper here than I did. Makes sense, but uh, not gonna not gonna do it. But and really, you nailed it—the rail draw. Because I, I saw those works with size of board. And I thought, oh man, this is good. man. If you were like breaking from the three post, I'd feel better at swallowing seven to two on it. But it, hey, if you like him, you know, not gonna. Before we move on, let me ask you this: the the fantasy draft for for future three year olds is tonight. Uh, none of these horses will probably get drafted. But do you think the winner of this race? is an early claim once we hit January. No, no. I, Nobody is, out of here is going to wow you that much? No, I mean, Infinite Series is the one that I guess you could you could make a case for because it's Tis Now should stretch out pretty well. Uh, but this is, when you look at the, the buy prices on these horses, I mean, your, your highest price is going to be a two-horse who's $230,000, um, which is, a, you know, a, a decent buy price, but ends up in the Sano Barn, gets Alvarado first time out, works aren't great. Uh, it's just not a horse you're probably looking at. If you look at like collect this money, $15,000 standing price for collected, sold for 70, has a couple good workouts, but then it's anime and bring your hands up. It's just there's nothing that inspires confidence that these horses could turn out to be superstars. Um, like honestly, Love Spell, well, I guess, yeah, Love Spell probably That's the one I was going to say <laughs> as, as winning a stakes at some point. Um, but I, I would be very surprised if any men have get claimed. There's all, it seems like there's always that one horse early. It's actually, it's usually January around Pegasus time. There's that one horse that debuts and everybody goes, Oh my God, look out. And, uh, you know, Brendan Walsh, I can't think of the horse, damn horse's name, but Brendan Walsh had one and then they just don't run a lick after that. So my thought was if Love Spell has a big debut here, that could be the horse you see someone claiming. But, you know, if you want to draft a horse out of this, I know there's some fantasy teams watching right now. If you guys want to draft and go for it, you're not going to have much fight from us. Um, let's move on, Mike. Sorry, One thing that's interesting about the draft and, and then these things is how important the trainer is. And I don't think people always realize that we don't have any of these really big name trainers here. Safi Joseph, obviously the one that you could say is, is getting to that point or rising up, but you don't have any of the Pletchers, the Browns, you don't have any of, you know, on the West coast, the Bafferts, right. And if you watch the draft tonight, if I said Ashton Pletcher, Baffert out of the 50 draft picks, how many will be trained by those three? We'll add Cox in there. Cox, Baffert, Pletcher. You're looking at a very high percentage, well over 50. I mean, shit, you're going to see almost 50% of the first round, spoiler alert, are Baffert's. <laughs> and that's just the first round, and he's got BNC squad horses too. Yeah, so it, when you look up and down the training list here, I, that kind of 
tips the hand of whether or not you're going to expect any of these to get, get on that triple crown trail. Uh, let's move on, Mike. Third leg, great point, by the way. Third leg of the late pick five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, December 19th. This is the race I was talking about. Lookout, race nine, the HL and Jerkins Handicap, a two-mile turf marathon. They start in this little tiny chute just outside the far, or inside the far turn, and then they go around the first turn, second turn, and then around the first turn, the second turn again. Uh, a couple of horses in here may not like to do that. A few of them we know can go that far. Can they do it fast enough where you're going on top? Well, before I do that, let's talk about what a handicap is first off, because we don't get these very much in America. You see them a lot overseas. So these handicap stakes races, your weight is based on how successful your career has been, basically. So depending on what races you've run and what age you are and how you've placed in those races, you get weights determining or your weight is based off of those determinations. So it's very rare in the U.S. that you will see a horse without a bug jockey having a massive weight edge over the rest of the field. In this case, you have another mystery who's by far the most accomplished horse in this race, carrying 126 pounds. You have Barberini, the 11, carrying 114. You have a graded stakes winner, the 5, carrying 116, 10 pounds less than a, another uh, another mystery. So weight plays into here. And we talk don't talk a ton about weight, but it matters, especially when you're going further distances. And, oh, hey, we're going two miles today, which means that the weight differentials here make even bigger of a difference that is one of the reasons I'm going to put the five ready for the lady at 20 to one on top in this spot. Um, <laughs> we're carrying 116. This is a three-year-old who's shipping down from Woodbine uh, for Roger Atfield. This is a tale of two different horses. When you look at how this horse is run on the synthetic versus how she's run, or I'm sorry, how he is run on the turf. Uh, it started out with career on synthetic, came back, first race as a three-year-old on synthetic, switched over to the turf, broke the maiden going a mile. I believe it was a quarter on the turf. Comes back in a grade three at a mile and three eighths and wins and beats a pretty good field of six. If you actually go back and look who's in that field, not exactly some some not shabby horses at all. Looks really good doing it from coming off the pace. This is a scenario where I think this horse wants every bit of the two miles. Getting 100, carrying 116 pounds, I think is a very big advantage. Paco knows the turf courses course very well. I wouldn't be shocked if we get a big time upset here. I'm going to go with a five ready for the lady on top. So I went four deep. You went five deep. Uh, you can make, said earlier, you can make an argument for going, you know, you might hit the L button and go really tight in those first two legs. The only horse we agreed on is the five. There we go. <laughs> that was your like topic. It. It, it, and, and so many great points. I keep looking at this form going, why is this horse 20 to one? And I can't forget at last year's championship meet uh, at field rolling in with these horses from Woodbine. And they, were, they well. were ready to roll and they were in form and they came in at 20 to one and went pop on us. So, yeah, I love it. If those three turf starts before the two synthetic tries, those are the ones that really stood out to me. And you're going to have a lot of horses tiring from this, right? You can bet that the one and the 12, we know, will have the stamina to at least, you know, go the distance. A lot of these horses are going to be fading pretty heavily or, you know, like Soli Volante, just not even involved. Paco's going to have to bully ball his way through. If there's a, aside from maybe Irad on the favorite, who do you want bully balling? And, you know, after, who's going to have the stamina as a jockey? This late, at, you know, after a mile and three quarters, is still going, All right, I'm going to go, 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 and start knocking everybody out of his way. Paco's one of the few you can trust. Sunny Lone, you could say you could trust, but again, Soli Volante, neither of us are using. I, I don't know why he's here, but he hasn't won, what, since June of 2020, I think. It's been a very long time for Soli Volante. Um, all right, so we agree on the back, five. Yeah. yeah, it's a ways back. We agree on the five. Who's your next up? Okay, this is, uh, I'm not as creative here. I'm going to go with the nine here. Uh, Quinone, how do you pronounce this one? K 
Caninos. I don't Caninos. know. Caninos. I actually watched a replay so I could pronounce it properly on the video and I forgot. Uh, yeah, so the nine Caninos is my second pick here. Uh, this is a horse that has been facing some very, very good horses up in New York. Has tried two miles before and didn't wasn't terrible doing that in the uh, Belmont Gold Cup, a grade two down there. Mike Maker and these these stretch out races generally does very well. Claimed two back out of the Morley Barn into the Maker Barn. It was a mile and the 16th to kind of prep up for this. And now we're stretching out to a two-mile distance, which I think should, shouldn't should be an issue here for Quineros. You get Saez aboard. To me, this is one of those all-systems-go horses. I, I, We talked about how important trainers are for two-year-olds a minute ago. These marathon distances, Mike Maker is very, very good at. And so he, he, I, will, I will upgrade his horses when we're going that mile and a half, the two-mile distance. And he often looks for horses like this to claim just to run those really long distances. And I think that's what we have here with Quineros. Uh, so I like I like the nine in this spot as my second pick. Uh, there are three Mike Maker horses in here. I didn't use any of them. I, for me, a, a big issue is the price. I really uh, don't like value engineering. He actually is the favorite of the morning line at seven to two. I think I like Caninos better. I would, then at least in value engineering, my thing with him, with Saya as a board, I wish I could point back to races in the forum where he was forwardly placed early because no speed here, and the horse was successful. You really, you look back at the Grand Cartier going a mile and a half, that was the only time he was really pushed along early, and he ends up fading way, way out of it. Um, loses to Gufo, but he was once he got past, he kind of threw in the towel. Saez is a fantastic rider, but I, to me, I, I'm going to play against both of those. Do you, on that note, do you want to talk about uh, value engineering as well? Yeah, I, I'm going to use value engineering here too. This is one where I... I you look at the 9 and the 10 carrying 120 pounds versus the 126 on another mystery. And that to me made a big difference here. That extra six pounds with the horses that I think are about the same. They're three in my mind, the three, nine and 10 are the three most talented horses in this race from what we see on paper. Um, and, and getting a six pound weight break on both the nine and the 10 led me to that direction to leave off the three horse here. I don't love horses leaving the Chad Brown barn, especially when they're on turf. But if you look at those 80 K and three X races, a tone bye-bye Melvin soldier rising, those are some pretty darn good horses that were winning those races. And so it, this is a drop in class in a lot of ways for value engineering from that, those 80K and uh, 3X in New York down to a 100K stakes race. There's no Atone in this race or Bye Bye Melvin in this race, right? Or Soldiers Rising in this race. There, This is not exactly world beaters here. Um, and you're getting a little bit of a weight break. You're carrying basically middleweight, but you're getting a weight break against the favorite or the horse I think will go off as a favorite in another mystery. Um, you get Mike Maker, you get Jose Ortiz, who I think won four today, something crazy like that. <laughs> it's one of those horses where I, I would expect Value Engineering to run one of his better efforts. And if he runs to his best, he's going to be tough here. Um, great points on him. I, I really don't want to eat seven to two, but I guess if there's one horse that you want to, or one trainer, sorry, in a situation where it's like, well, Chad Brown doesn't have the horse. Uh, this was a Clarevich Stables horse and they sold him. Um, it, it, or probably it looks like it was sold privately. I don't see a sale information on the on the page right here, but uh, the horse was sold, and it's to Maker and to Michael Hoy, who is one of the co-owners. And Hoy is Maker's top client when it comes to buying these long uh, stretch out horses. So I'm gonna pass, but you know, I I realize full well how risky it is to pass on Makers, especially when there's three of them in here. He's not one of those guys that's like, well, if he's got three in there, none of them have a chance. Now he's He's probably got three in there because he thinks at least two of them have a good chance. Do you want to stay on the maker train and talk about the seven? Clear that out as well. Sure. I use the seven Wicked Fast as well. This is the higher price maker, 15 to one. This is the main, my main concern with, with Wicked Fast here is going to be the distance. I'm not 
sure the two miles is exactly what we want. But again, it's one of those where you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and trust Mike Maker, especially since he claimed this one, uh, I'm sorry, switched over to his barn after a mile and a half race. He was in the jockey uh, club derby, uh, grade three there, got Irad aboard for Joe Sharp. Uh, and right after that race, they switch over to the Maker barn, go back into grade two hill prints, which I actually think is a sneaky good effort. If you look at that, uh, Celestial City wins the race. You see he comes in fourth, two and a half back. Well, he was a, a uh, McKinnon was a head behind. Grand Sonata was a nose behind. He was right there after that. Um, so he was right with McKinnon, essentially, at a mile and an eighth in that race. I wouldn't be shocked if you see a pretty good effort from Wicked Fast here. I like the 15 to 1 price. The big time question is going to be the distance of Wicked Fast and whether or not two miles is, is good. But we're carrying 115 again, getting 11 pound weight break on another mystery. That's a, a big difference here. I like Miguel Vasquez picking up the mount. So I'll, I'll take a little bit of a swing with the highest price maker. It's uh, for me, I, I think this is, I mean, price wise, I'm not saying anything. This is the the least likely winner of the three. And, uh, you know, going two miles, tourist was a miler. So if, if you know, at the halfway point, we wanted to call a winner, maybe it's going to be wicked fast. But two miles, um, you see who the jockeys are that Maker got. He got Saez and Jose Ortiz to ride the other two. And Vasquez, a great jockey when it's not the championship meet. But we're bringing in the big boys now. He's about to get overshadowed. So. I uh, didn't use that one. Mason's home. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> That's true. Uh, let me talk about my topic. I did use the number three, another mystery, and a huge reason I read Ortiz is back aboard. And you see two back going a mile and a half at Kentucky Downs against Red Knight, against Gufo, who was coming off of winning the Sword Dancer for the second straight year, uh, a grade one race. This horse misses by a nose and a neck, and it was a, a rough trip, and he still got it done. He's going to have a rough trip coming from the back. I read aboard. I love that Irad's going to be pushing him. Uh, the dam, I owe, I, I owe it to, I should have made you say that one. Uh, the daughter of Lord at War, who was a good turf marathon horse. Uh, she was also a great long distance turf horse. And Dynaformer, we know, produces plenty of, uh, of stamina at the Sun Temple City, also doing that. Um, the horse has hit the board five of the last six and also four of the last five attempts when going at least a mile and a half. That really caught my attention. You know, screw up. If you scribble off the Churchill Downs try, which the Churchill Downs turf course was absolute dog shit the last year and a half. This horse really, to me, fits very well here. Uh, you notice he was trained by Chris Block, who's the owner and the breeder. Chris Block runs at fairgrounds during this time of year. Um, I'm guessing Chris Block doesn't have a, a, a Florida trainer's license, which is why we sent it to James Gulick, who takes over Gulick. Two, uh, five starters, two wins and a third already at the meet. So I think it's a pretty good move that way. That way. And, you know, this horse would be a fairgrounds probably if they had a turf course, but just like Churchill, theirs is also dog shit, so they don't. Uh, but go ahead and tell me. I, I know the weight was an issue for you. Another mystery has been carrying steadily 124, 25, 26 pounds in his last several starts, and it hasn't bothered him. Yeah, so, uh, so is everyone else in those starts, though. <laughs> Not everyone else is carrying 124, 125, 126 pounds like they are today. Uh, two miles actually shouldn't be an issue for another mystery. I actually know this horse pretty well. Uh, this was one I did not pick at the final table of the NHC tournament that I was between uh, that won at 23 to 1 or dead heated at uh, Sam Houston. Yep. So don't love that. Uh, but this is a horse that I played prior to that uh, when it was 20 to 1. I think it was out of the Ashton barn back then. I can't remember where it was. Uh, but one at a nice price with Santana up at a mile and a half. I have no issues with this horse in the distance. This to me comes down to two factors. The main one is the weight and the price. This is going to be your favorite, I think, when they go off. I think you're going to see five to two, three to one range here on another mystery who's going to carry high weight and who is I just in a field that I think you could go a lot of different directions in. And so 
I don't want to include the horse who I think is going to go off as the favorite. I think the IRAD factor is going to come in here. Um, and, and look, this is this is going to be a, just a wild race because you're going to see a very slow dawdling pace. Another mystery is going to be toward the back of that field. And then you're going to have to weave through traffic. You're going to have some horses that are going, some that aren't. It just it sets up for trip trouble for another mystery here as well. So I'd almost want to be a little in the clear here or more forwardly placed than where I think another mystery is. And I think another mystery is going to be all the way in the back, tucked on the inside. You're just asking for trouble. You're carrying high weight. You're going to be the lowest price. Add all those things up. I'm going to try and beat the horse. Bottle of tequila, the, the one horse of the three, who's in la- who's farther back as they make it on the backstretch the first time? I mean, the one probably, but that's <laughs> but you don't really know because uh, the one's been jumping over shit every time he's been running. So we'll see where he ends up. Yeah, I was going to say technicality. If he jumps the rail uh, as they come down the front stretch the first time, he's automatically in last and I win the match. He was um, 30 hours back last time he ran a flat track race. So <laughs> he, uh, it reminds me of, who was it? Sadler's well, uh, had like a, a single digit early time form pace rating. And you're like, I've never really? seen that. That's almost the one horse. Um, I'm going to use the one horse's stable mate that's in here as my next pick. Uh, I hate the post, but number 12, Agitare. Trainer Carrie Breon is a uh, an Irish hurdles trainer, jumps trainer. Um, she comes over and wins a lot of the jumps races, especially at New York. Um, she has the one in here who was a flat racer and actually did pretty well. But like you said, Mike, I think he's going to have about 20 links too much to do. And I don't love the jockey that's aboard to get the job done. I do love the jockey, uh, Julian LePru, riding the 12 for us. And a horse that was a flat runner throughout um, his time overseas they had considered they'd actually had bought him to try and get him to be a jumper and it didn't really work. They bring him to Fairhill, which is a, a unique, uh, sorry, Fox Hills, uh, which is a very unique turf course in Maryland. It's mostly used for jumping and they have one small meet. It's mostly uh, for jumps. They have this two mile uphill race. It's like Kentucky Downs, but longer <laughs> when they race there. Um, and the horse was, you know, when asked, did a very good job of just accelerating and kept going and going and going. You know, as a yielding turf course, a lot of the best form overseas in Ireland, it's it's looking a lot uh, more yieldy, but I cannot ignore the fact that this horse, in its first time ever racing in America, granted at Fox Hills, just showed up and just beat the hell out of some horses with some proven form. Um, I did use the 12. What didn't you like about him? Uh, mainly that the 13 ran second. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be well, because it... What By the that? field was second. <laughs> well, yeah, but, but three lengths, four lengths. But the, the 13 ran second in that race. Um, and the 13 is awful. And I wouldn't even consider using the 13 in this spot. And so for me, it's one of those spots where, okay, if, if I say that the, the 13 is close to the 12, I'm not interested. I'm also like, I don't really want this post here. This is, this is going to be tough to work out a trip from. If you're looking at five turns and also a half turn into the stretch, you're going to be wide on the half turn. And you're going to be at least a couple wide on the first turn. Um, and I, I just that eight to one price. If we're looking at 20 to one, I'd rather play the other green on the inside than I would the 12 um, based on based on the post. I love the fact that the uh, the 12 overseas steadily carrying 130 plus pounds, 144 there drops to 123. And then the one 156, 158, 154, 119 is not even a field Suarez support. It's going to be like a five. Uh, and that's about, uh, I ended up going, um, I went four deep here. I was trying to figure out, I actually didn't mind the 13 if it drew in because I thought the 13 might be able to take this field gate to wire. There's no pace. It's going to be extremely dawdling. What about the eight? Is the eight lead? And if the eight leads, the, the eight isn't lead is going to be very close and get first run. A horse that was clean for $8,000 
go off and win this. These are kind of horses that kind of sneak up and win these spots, right? I love the horse at this distance. I think the fact that we're going long, we've got a son of English channel out of a Galileo mare, like the two Euros, the two Irish horses that Breon's bringing in, no issue with the distance. And unlike those two, has shown a propensity to be forward the place, likes to be close to a dawdling pace and take advantage of it. Um, I don't know much about the trainer, Jeff Piles. Uh, Edwin Gonzalez, that's a jockey you would know a lot better than I would. But just looking at this horse's form and the fact that he's won, you know, four of his last five starts, you know, Kentucky Downs, a mount of five sixteenths gets a win. Kentucky Downs, mount a half gets second. Mount three eights at Belterra Park. Yeah, it's Belterra, but you won a mount three eights and you won by about five lengths. So I'm going to use the horse. I think the price might, you know, would definitely get into a favorable spot for me here, but you didn't like the eight. I didn't use the eight. I didn't dislike the eight. I, I think Sorry. time for trouble is going to be in the lead for a long time. Uh, it's just whether or not he'll be in the lead the last time that they call the names, right? I, time for trouble is your clear leader in this spot. I think he goes goes to the front and tries to take this field gate to wire going two miles. I have more of a concern around the the, the distance here for time for trouble. I'm not sure two miles is, is what he's looking to do, especially if he is the one setting the pace and anyone decides to press. If anyone gets a little, little kooky, uh, I think it could be pretty tough for him to go gate to wire. Most of his wins at those longer distances that you mentioned, actually all of them, he came from off the pace, was able to sit behind other horses. This time he's going to be the one in front of the pack trying to do a new thing. It just There was enough there, and there were enough prices around that I wanted to take a shot against him. One of those uh, one of those prices that I used, the 11, Barberini, uh, I thought was pretty interesting here as well. You're getting 8-1 to one on Barberini. This is a horse, it's a, it's a three-year-old by Flintshire out of an Empire Maker Mayor. Should want every bit of this two-mile distance. Flintshire, one of those really successful uh, uh, sires overseas. Third off a layoff here as a three-year-old. Ruiz comes down from, uh, from Maryland to take this mount here. I... I this is a horse that just has done been awesome. If you look at those last three starts, all three of them wins, all three of them improving. This is a horse that deserves a shot, take, taking a shot against Stakes Company. I like this spot here at two miles. I think this horse will be a little more forwardly placed because of the distance, has shown a closing kick, likes to win, gets a massive weight break here, carrying the race low 114 pounds. I, I think it's all systems go here for the 11 Barberini. You know what? I'm going to call an audible because I this was the last horse uh, off for me in this spot. I really I did like it. I just needed to make a better argument as far as the distance goes. Hasn't tried it, but uh, you keep thinking Flintshire definitely loved running very long on turf. Empire Maker Mare should be able to handle uh, you know at least a mile and a half. After a mile and a half, most of these horses have big have question marks. But I think this is a horse that sneaks in. So my ticket's going to get a little more expensive. I am going to throw it in that eight to one price, and I think we might get a good chunk of it there. Um, there was a this quote that Dale Romans had from ages, I don't know, like two, three years ago. And it always stuck with me. This is the point when I really was like, maybe I could be a better trainer than Dale Romans. Uh, he said that he never has seen in his life that, that gelding a horse moves it up and believes that that makes it better. And I'm not saying that's exactly what happened with the 11 Barberini. They just had one debut and it was you know pretty, pretty terrible. But you geld the horse, and look what happens after that. The horse has been running very well. Is It got some time off, and is just continuing to bring those buyers up and up and up on a slow, steady pattern. Trainer and Arn Delacour, that that is his his style. And so this feels like the right time to try stakes. You know, two miles, the big question mark. But again, that's, you say that for a lot of these horses. Yeah, this is one of those times, too. Uh, you'll note I'm taking a couple three-year-olds here against Olders. This is the time of the year that I'm more interested in playing three-year-olds against olders than earlier in the season. Now we're this late in the season. You're seeing more mature, mature three-year-olds. Everyone changes. All Every horse gets a year older on January 1st, which is kind of just mind-blowing, right? So in that case, you have some less mature, more mature three-year-olds. 
by this time in the year, most of them are getting into their full maturity here, maturity. And so you're going to see better three-year-old versions of themselves. And you, this is when I'm starting to willing to play these type of horses. And in these handicaps, three-year-olds get massive weight edges. And that's one of the reasons I'm ending up on multiple three-year-olds here in this spot, because we're later in the season, they're more mature, they're able to compete with older horses better, and you are getting a huge weight edge to get them to do that. So I, I kind of like the three-year-olds in these types of spots. So much for me keeping this one short. I thought that would be this was the short version for the long version. Check our OnlyFans account. Let's move on. Penultimate leg of the Lapic Five at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, December 10th. Race 10. It's a six furlong dirt sprint for eight males, three and up. And when next allowance, a couple optional claimers in here. You and I agree on one horse that's the six to five favorite, number seven, Nitrous Channel. Big question if he comes back, but if he does, I mean, it, this horse is long gone, right? I, I I could see a world where he gets he gets drilled early from a pace perspective, and that's why I went too deep here. Um, if he comes back, he comes back health or good, and he's he's in form and he's able to get the lead here. It could be very 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 tough. Uh, the four horse living water I think could put some early pressure on, and that's the way that Nitrous Channel loses this race is that that you see Living Water go out there press Nitrous Channel early. He's not able to make the rail, sitting too wide, and then all of a sudden someone's able to come up and grab him, but there's not a ton of situations here where the seven is not a deserving favorite. Yeah. The, that long layoff is, is a slight concern, but Weaver's 22% in these, uh, off of these kinds of layoffs and uh, we're putting blinkers on. So if, if you have any worries of the horse running off a little too rank early, well, that'll keep him in. Also, you know, the, the go rates from facing uh, from the debut race and you go straight into a stakes where you're facing winners. You're second to provocateur a horse that I owned with my race horse, a multiple Dirt stakes winner at six furlongs. So a good horse to finish behind. Um, there is that question mark. So we each just split up a little bit. I did use, I went to with two other horses, starting with the four living water. Uh, Liz Dobles, first off the claim, 32% in normal situations. When she runs them back first off the claim, protected specifically, 43% winners. That was a huge thing, that a huge stat that I loved. Yes, the horse is going to be going probably with the seven uh, up front, but I think the four might end up leading. And if the seven isn't there with the horse, maybe the blinkers blinkers don't fix everything. Sometimes they screw a horse up. If the blinkers screw this horse up or he just needs a start, to me, the four is going to be sitting in a perfect spot if the seven needs one off the bench. She claimed this for herself as well. I'd love to know the stats on when she's, when she's the owner and it's protected back because I bet that would be even higher. Yeah, we need, you know what, if DRF could add one stat to the formulator, give me owner tracking too. That's what I want to see. I want to mess with the owner stats there too, but that's a great point. She does own the horse. Cool. I, I didn't use the four. I, I I think it's just a notch below the seven. I think the seven being in the race makes the four's life a hell of a lot more difficult. This is a spot where if the seven's out, the four makes the ticket. If the four's out, the seven might be a single um, because the, those two horses are, are – are joined in, at the hip in a lot of ways, not just in the first furlong, but also in the end result, depending on whether or not they put that pressure on each other. I end up too deep here. I went with the one he's in charge. Uh, his horse is shipping in from New York. I think has been facing better. Actually, I can guarantee he's been facing better, running an optional claiming races at the $62,000 level, the $50,000 level, got down to the claiming ranks one time. That was a $50,000 claimer at Keeneland, where this horse won by open lengths, by two and a quarter lengths. Uh, last time out, lost to Montac Daddy, stage left, Nova Rags, all pretty good horses up there in New York. Now we're dropping down here at the 25K N1X level, by far the lowest we've seen in a while. 
Give Paco Lopez the board. And to me, this is all about the setup. That's why this horse makes the ticket. If there's one horse that can take advantage of those two burning up front, I think it's the one horse he's in charge. That's my pick up the pieces horse here. So if Nitrous Channel does get essentially challenged on the lead, isn't able to get that six furlongs off the break, he's in charge is the one I think who comes up and, and takes the takes the money. Guys, speaking of the draft, Novarax, famously a Vinny uh, draft pick that uh, yeah didn't didn't pan out, but like I said, it was a Vinny draft pick, so kind of uh, an oxymoron there. I, I looked at the one, uh, you know, I think this horse has got the talent. I I think is a great candidate to hit the board. Uh, for me, trying to see this horse winning is a little bit much, but you're getting a good price and, and a horse that has definitely has as much bat class as anyone else in here. I will say with the four as well. I'd like him better if Jaramillo rode through the claim. I'd love him if Jaramillo rode through the claim. Jaramillo does not ride through the claim. Uh, Reyes is uh, 19% with the Doblace Barn with a nice ROI, but it seems like the, this horse's success was, uh, you know, Jaramillo, once he got aboard, was when things started to go well uh, for the four. Last one for me, just to his outside, the five Ludington, 10 to 1 odds here. Uh, ran its best buyer in 22 months. First off the claim, last out for Jennifer Young. It was at this level, and specifically, when this horse races at the optional claimer, nominees are one other than level at Coastal Park. It's the last seven starts, three wins, two runner-up finishes. This is where the horse fits. It's perfectly spotted here. Uh, you see throughout its career, it's, it's been here a lot. Um, that effort also, by the way, that 83 buyer that was its best in 22 months, that came off of a, a three-month break. If Young moves this horse forward at all, second off of the claim, second off of the break, I think this horse is extremely sneaky. There are uh, races in the back class that definitely say, the horse can compete. Uh, did win gate to wire, but has also won from sitting off a few lengths and being able to pass when the, the pace started to fall apart. So at 10 to 1, this was, I think, about the last horse to make my ticket. But I, I did want to uh, talk about Ludington a little bit. Yeah, I wouldn't knock you for the for using the 5, 3, or 6. I think all three of those have a shot here at being a, a reasonable closer. The 6 is going to sit a little bit closer to the pace, picks up IRAD, get a 10 to 1 price off the claim for Kelsey Danner. The 5, you mentioned that last race, good enough to win. And that last race actually turned out pretty good when you look back at who's who was in that spot. Uh, don't love the 23 to 1 down to 10 to 1 price, but I think you're actually going to probably float up from the 10 to 1 morning line. So you're still probably going to get somewhere between 12 and 15 on that 5 Ludington. Um, and the three celestial gaze, the other one I thought had a, a chance to kind of take advantage of it, but I, I felt like the one was the best of those four. That's why I ended up too deep. Not that we need to talk about it. I'm surprised nobody in the chat's giving me any shit for not using the eight magic eclipse in this spot. That's all right. <laughs> uh, we don't need to talk about it. fifth and final leg of the late pick five at Gold Street Park on Saturday, December 17th, race 11. Whoops, we're back on the turf. I went too far. Uh, nine maiden males, three and up. If you're Florida bred, you run protected. If you're not, you're in for the 40K tag. And that attracted Saffy Joseph Jr., Chad Brown, and Todd Fletcher. Those latter two have the co-favorites about thereabouts at five to two and three to one. You could either go really short with the price. You can throw in some bombs. What'd you do? I ended up going three deep here. I used the two and the four, um, who both are coming down from, from tougher races. Uh, those New York maiden special weights dropping in here for the 40K level is, is a pretty steep drop. Um, they were both they both faced Evan Harlan last time out, uh, who won both those races. Or, I'm sorry, it's the same race. Um, they both faced Evan Harlan last time out. And that race, when you look at the, the two specifically outperform, stumbled start, ended up just walking off, was the favorite in that spot. The races three back are all good enough to win this race, and that's really where the key is, especially those last two on turf at Saratoga. That gets the job done here. Drawn much better than that last race with the 10 out of 10 post. Now we're on the two post. Has some tactical speed, which I think is a key here because I didn't see a ton of speed in this race, which I think I have a gate to wire horse in mind here. So I'm going to go three deep. I'm going to use the two outperform, use the four unexpected income, and then I'm going to go with a horse I think can take the field gate to wire. 
interesting. We both went the same way. We both went the two, the four, although I like the two a lot better than the four. The four is kind of here because it's, it's Chad Brown. I don't love it. it. By the way, Chad Brown, only 17% in mating claiming turf routes at Gulfstream Park the last five years. And the last time he got a win was February 2021. But this field, you know, you've got the Pletcher. And then after that, you're reaching for straws. We're both going with a horse that we think is going to go uh, gate to wire. I'm surprised you didn't use the five. Oliver or Olivier with your boy Berrios Hector aboard. Uh, second off of the their second career start here at Joseph Cantonese. Uh, only one win so far from 23 starts, but you see 10 for 23 in the money. Uh, this horse on its debut was bet pretty well, four to one, and just never ran. Would hit the gate from the start with seven lengths back, never had a chance. This is a Sunner Classic umpire out of a Curlin mare. This really says two turns, or at the very least a mile, two turns should be well within the grasp. And I think, I'm hoping, that we're going to show some speed. Uh, that five for a long effort, you're not really going to be able to look at it and say, yeah, we're going five for a long swim out. The horse never ran. But look at the works. You see the four yeah. for longs works that were 47 and three from the gate, 47 and three, 47 flat. There's a lot of sharp gate work, or a lot of sharp works here on the dirt. The question is, can the horse take it to turf? Because Classic Empire, 24% dirt routing. That is his best stat. Routing is great. The dirt part, nah, and we get to turf. He's just 10% winner's turf route. I'm hoping that the fact that I'm catching this in a in a, an interesting spot against a weak field is what pushes him forward. I'm not sure where this horse is going to be placed. It was one of the more the, the bigger question marks here in this race. Is what is what's the five going to do? Because you could make a case that they're trying to train speed into the horse. That clearly has been a key after the, after hitting the gate in that first start. They debuted him at five furlongs or five and a half furlongs on the synthetic. That's somewhere you want to go toward the front. So you would think that was, again, speed focus getting into that race. Uh, to me, there's just too many question marks, and you're going to need to take too big of a step forward against this field. Right to his outsides, the six horses, the six horses Jerry's turn. I don't see how Jerry's turn doesn't get the lead in this race. And that, to me, is why I ended up putting the six horse on, on the ticket here. I hate the fact that this horse is 0 for 22. And rarely do I advocate using an 0 for 22 maiden. Whenever I do, it's because they are doing something new. Well, in this case, if you look at this horse and what Tim Hillis has done to try and screw him up royally, this horse has run on synthetic at a mile, on dirt on a mile, a turf at a mile 16th, and five and a half furlongs on the turf in his last four races. That really doesn't help the horse out very much. you got to try and have some consistency here. And if you go back and you look at the, the two-turn turf races in the past, that's where he was his best. He actually ran second by a nose at, with a 72 buyer going a mile right here in the same level except at 50K instead of 40K. Two turns on the turf is what this horse is best at. If you take out every race that's not two turns on the turf, you have a horse that's like 0 for 4 and has hit the board three times. Like all of a sudden, it's a completely different horse than looking at 0 for 22. So I'm going to make a case here that Jerry's turn makes the lead. And I don't see any other one to press him. And if we're loose up front at Gulfstream, it gets me scared. So I'm going to go 2 4 6 here in the final. Wow. So if he's like, so six times the horse is routed on turf. And if you knock off the first two efforts, the horse was second by a length, second by a nose, second, well, got the second by four and a half, but second. And then third after setting the pace. I'm just afraid at this point, the horse is, is a great use for underneath in your exotics. Um, maybe this is the spot to catch. It feels like at one of these points, it's going to be Jerry's turn. I just don't think it's Saturday. If, if it wasn't for the pace edge, I wouldn't use this horse. But when it it's when true. you have when I can when I literally can eliminate eliminate out eighteen of the twenty two starts because they were BS places to put the horse and I can focus on four and then I can say your lone speed 
I'm going to give you the shot in this spot. Uh, as far as the pace, um, well, neither of us using the one, but I could see the one try at least showing speed breaking from the rail in those first two career starts when we tried to get on dirt and then, uh, on turf or sorry, tried to get on turf for the debut and then was in the proud man stakes over this course and distance did show speed. The two starts since then, we had that huge gap of uh, over a year and then zero speed shown there. But I would think with this horse breaking from the rail, that's what you could see. I mean, I don't think the horse has a chance to win at all either way. But could you see the one also being forwardly placed? I could. Um, the, the thing with the one is that that last race should have been a race you showed speed if you were going to. Right. I mean, a mile on, on the synthetic breaking out of the eight post. You kind of want to go there. Right. It's kind of like being in the one in this spot. You should have gone to the front if you thought that that was what the horse was had the best chance to do to win and um, didn't have any excuses at the break from from what I saw. And so it's like I couldn't I, I think the one might just be a little slower than he was originally. <laughs> and you look at the pace, too, is 2448, the race that he set the pace there. Um, we'll see. I, the one is definitely one that could try and get to the front, though. You're muted. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for the Magic Mike show. And I am now unmuted. Uh, this was a fun sequence to go through. It was a long one. Uh, thanks for joining us here. We'll go through our tickets real quick one last time before we talk about Thursday Night Football and get out of here. I'll start. I'm going to go 2 3 with 3 8, then 3 5 8, 11, 12, 4 5 7, and 2 4 5. That is not $72. I apologize. That is $90 for my ticket. And you literally cut that in half because you singled uh, the opening right there. Yeah, we're going to start out with a chalky single. We can go two with one, three, eight, with five, nine, five, seven, nine, ten, eleven, with one, seven, with two, four, six. That'll cost you 45 bucks, 50 cents. It's a fun sequence. Uh, if you're playing, let us know. Send us your tickets. We always like to see whether you're for or against us. It's a lot of fun because especially if you get one right that we didn't, next time you're in the chat on the live show, we'll uh, we'll sing your praises here. Mike, uh, we'll end the, the horse racing talk for now. Don't forget the uh, Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League is just over two hours away from starting right here on the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. Make sure you set your alarms for that one. But we've also got uh, an interesting Thursday Night Football matchup here. We've got the Brock Purdy Show going to Seattle. What could possibly go wrong tonight when they're three-and-a-half-point favorites? Who knows? Who knows, right? Now, this is a must-win game for Seattle, so you're gonna expect, you should expect to see a really motivated effort out of them. Um, I have no interest in betting the side here. Is San Francisco minus – I had this minus 3.2 for San Francisco, so right in between the, the juiced three-and-a-half that you're seeing here, you're seeing San Francisco minus three-and-a-half even or San Francisco minus three, minus 120. I think that both of those lines are kind of correct. That's where it should be priced. Um, I would lean toward taking the three and a half with Seattle, but I would want 110 if I was going to play it. I think the edge in this game is to look at one of the team totals. You can get San Francisco over 148 and a half rushing yards in the game. Uh, Seattle's given up at least 160 in four straight weeks, including two of those against the Bucks and the Rams, who absolutely cannot run the football. The fact that you have Brock Purdy's first road game means that San Francisco is going to have a run-heavy diet. Uh, if you're playing DFS, I'm not a huge DFS guy, but if you're a big DFS person, the backup running back, Mason, rookie out of Georgia Tech for San Francisco, is going to pick up the workload here for Debo Samuels. I think he gets the Debo carries. I think he even may get some of McCaffrey's carries because they're going to protect McCaffrey even more coming down the stretch. He's averaging over five yards of carry and got 11 rushes last week and had over 50 yards. I think he's a good captain and crew guy to put in the captain spot. So you can absolutely blow up the prices with everybody else that you want to go with. If, I couldn't find any props for Mason, but if your book is offering you Mason props, like a same-game parlay with Mason over rushing yards somewhere in the 20s, I would take that as well. 
Uh, I'll give you a, a player prop before we get out of here, too. I've been pretty good with these. Uh, George Kittle, tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. By the way, George Kittle, a huge fan of uh, of the AEW. So uh, we absolutely love George Kittle uh, here on the Magic Bike Show and RacingDudes.com. But you can get him at uh, 40 and a half receiving yards I'm seeing right now. Uh, Seattle, actually not good against tight ends. They, you think of the Legion of Boom that they could usually shut that down. Uh, not so much. And if they're going to be focusing on the run game, trying to stop that with a rookie running back out of Georgia Tech, like you're talking about, I think George Kittle is a great option for play action. By the way, we've got Brock Purdy, who is not super confident and not super strong in a long pass game. But you give him those play action dump offs to Kittle. Kittle's good enough that you can get, you know, he should get five, six, seven, eight receptions here. One of those, he'll get uh, long enough yards. If you go over 40 and a half yards for George Kittle, that's my pro uh, yeah, player prop bet for tonight. I am surprised how much Kittle has fizzled out this year. Like, I, I don't understand why he's all of a sudden not like this Ke Travis Kelsey-esque tight end. It's just the fall from grace has been massive for him. I just... <laughs> I also have more. He's been too focused. He's been too focused on his wrestling training. He's trying to join uh, Pentagon Junior in the AEW. Penta, that that that's literally for like Aaron and uh, Dennis when he listens back here <laughs> the replay. That's for us. So uh, all right, run, run over about? the rails real quick because we're going to way over the real rails for a second. Uh, no antics of any kind ah! except speed, and there we go with the antics. Did time. I actually read that a wrestler got fired for having an OnlyFans account? Uh, close. She was, uh, well, there's there's um, there's debate about what's true. She is, is no longer a WWE talent, is no longer with WWE. Um, she had a, not OnlyFans, it's something that's a step down, risque-wise from that, fan something, fan time. I think okay. anyway, she was a she's a fitness. She's also been a fitness model in a ton of magazines and stuff and on covers. And they let her have this account where she was doing bikini stuff. And apparently I haven't seen it, but apparently that her it's no longer a bikini shot site. And the WWE was like, OK, that's too far for you. There's accounts about whether she uh, they, it was amicable or whether they told her and she still kept doing it. It's also true that she makes more money doing that than being a WWE talent. So. Go make your money. Yeah, I mean, it just it's wild to me to think that uh, clearly they are selling sex, right, in wrestling. <laughs> like, yeah, oh, no, don't worry. I'm going to get to that in a second. Clearly they're selling sex in wrestling. So then to say you can't sell sex is a, it's a problem. I mean, it kind of blows my mind. The fact that Dr. Chang knew this right away, I also think there has to be some <laughs> He was the first one in the chat to scream out Mandy Rose in all caps. That's a little telling there. Doc. So, and I also like that you specifically said, oh, I haven't seen it. <laughs> Like, just jumping because in. I knew that was the thing. It's it, it's not an OnlyFans. I don't have a member. I don't have a, a an account over there. This is fan. <laughs> so I don't, it's fan I time, right, Aaron? Wasn't that what it was? Yeah, isn't that what you told? Yeah, account. We found that out at Dead Breeders Cup, right? <laughs> so I think that don't. It's not like you get an account and then you just get access to everything. You have to like subscribe and pay. It's like Patreon, but for sex, basically, right? Isn't that kind of what it is? I wouldn't know. <laughs> All right, that's time for us to get out of here. Uh, we got to get ready for the draft, which is going to be two hours. Set your alarms. Uh, yeah, we're not even going to talk about that or the fact that they gave her that name for a specific reason. But hey, the Racing Dudes Triple Crown Fantasy League draft is tonight in two hours. Tune in for that. Make sure you catch the replay if you miss it uh even if the audio form trust me there's a lot through all the bullshit that we're that i'm gonna put on tonight there is a lot of good helpful information there too so tune in for that one um yeah see how many i'm gonna set the over under at three and a half bafferts taken in the top top nine do you take the over on that yes 
There'll be four. Yeah, I think so too. I think I know who the fourth one is. But we'll figure that out. See you there until tonight in a couple little bits. I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this weekend, guys. Except if you're in our fantasy league, then that. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.